Houston, it's rodeo time. Your local Tacova store is the place to go for the finest handmade cowboy boots, jeans, belts, cowboy hats, and apparel for men and women. If you've never owned boots before, let them help you get your first pair like they did for me. Stop by one of your local Houston Tacova stores and get ready for the rodeo with their understated approach to Western. Whether it's your first rodeo or your seasoned pro, your local Tacova store is the place to go for rodeo season. Tacovas, don't go gently. Mayor Whitmire is planning on making a major merger between two police departments. Plus, parents are not happy with HISD Superintendent Mike Miles' latest comments. And we're literally wasting hours of our life in Houston traffic. Joining me to break down the biggest news from this week is independent journalist, filmmaker, and creator Camilo Hannibal-Smith. It's Friday, January 19th, 2024. I'm Rahil Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Camilo, welcome in the CityCast Houston. I'm so pumped to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, uh, Rahil? Good to meet you. I'm doing great. I want to start off with a quick question regarding the new Still Tipping Tour. Okay, Mike Jones, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, they're hitting the road finally. And like many artists from the 2000s, they're doing a reunion tour. And it was about time that Houston got a tour like this. But in the grand scheme of things, look, you focus on Houston hip hop and specifically what's been happening in the Latin hip hop scene as well, right? So you're familiar with it. Do you think Houston gets enough love nationally when it comes to our hip hop movement and rap movement? Oh, wow. I think they do. You know, having those those three megastars, you know, r- roll up and, and do a show. I mean, that's important. That's You know, Houston has a love for their... They're OGs. It's like really unrivaled in any other uh, national music scene. And I think on that alone, you know, they get props like the fans are, you know, super sincere. You know, they grew up with all these acts. So, you know, the fact that these guys are going to, you know, I don't know if they're going to sell out stadiums, but they, they're going to make a, a solid constituency. Very, very happy and, and really, uh, you know, represent represent for, for that era, that early 2000s era. Yeah, I love it that they're hitting the road and they're going to get, you know, they'll see how much love they have, not only in Houston, but across the nation. And maybe they'll take it across the world. Who knows, right? Like, I'm sure Amsterdam loves them for some reason. Amsterdam loves everybody. Germany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, Euro- Europeans, for whatever reason, they appreciate our hip hop uh, on levels that that even I don't know if we do yet. So true. All right, let's jump into it. A lot to talk about. Let's start with you. What is your biggest story of the week? Uh, Yeah, so, you know, uh, we have a new mayor and, um, you know, one of his his platforms was to increase policing and to, uh, you know, help keep uh, Houston uh, safer by by increasing the amount of cops, uh, whether you agree with that or not. But um, but there's been some uh, there's been a story, really good one in Houston Landing that uh, looks at John Whitmire's approach to policing and what's he going to do with uh, a reform plan that went into effect or that was going into effect under Sylvester Turner in the wake of 2020 and George Floyd. And Fox 26 actually had Whitmire on tape saying that, you know, the, the process of combining the Metro Police Department, which this is the story, he wants to combine the uh, Metro Police Department, which oversees all of our rails and buses uh, in the city of Houston with with the HPD, uh, which, is, which is a bit controversial, but also brings up questions of 
jurisdictions and, and, and crossing jurisdiction lines uh, with Harris County Sheriff's Department and stuff like that. I'm not a, a policing expert or anything. I'll leave that up to the, to the professionals, but uh, but check out Houston Landing uh, for, for a write-up on that. Uh, they don't mention what he says about Metro. Uh, I think they, they look more into what his approach is going to be to uh, either keeping the police reforms that went into that are, have been going into effect, um, or uh, if he's going to take a new tactic, which which seems like he wants to beef up the police force. Yeah, so there are about 280 police officers on the metro side of the police department, and you know, funneling funneling them into HPD is going to just help with more resources. That's the logic. Uh, in in that interview, he had a quote about how. There used to be a park police and airport police, and they were rolled under HPD as well. I don't remember those two forces, to be honest with you, and I've been here for more than 30 years, but that's been the case. So it is something that I guess you have to do in terms of just getting more resources to Metro, but like their jobs won't change. Nothing's going to change. Nobody's getting fired. It's just a new badge more than anything. Yeah, well, and I think this also comes under, you know, after like there's been like a uh, it was like a fatal stabbing on a on a commuter rail recently that like went the light rail went like a few stops before they found the body. Um, so it brings up a lot of questions also about like, you know, the effectiveness, I think, of the Metro Police. And also they've had some cases mm-hmm. of you know, alleged police brutality. They've had some cases of, of that. And it'll be interesting to see if, if that cleans it up or, you know, if, if they need a police force to, you know, be that big and to be able to cross jurisdiction lines, which is what I hear is, is another another thing. Metro police, uh, because our, our our metro rails go so far and our buses, they they kind of get a longer reach than uh, I think what HPD gets. Uh, it said in a couple of those articles. Yeah, that's a good point. Like getting across uh, jurisdiction lines, see how that works out. This is a story that we'll keep an eye on for sure. And here's the thing about Mayor Whitmire. You know, he did talk this talk about I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And so far, he is taking action. We'll see if everything passes, if, you know, he gets stuff done. But he is showing signs of following up on a lot of these promises that he made on the campaign trail. Right. Yeah, well, no, we'll have to see. Okay, I'm going to get to my biggest story. And TEA appointed HISD superintendent Mike Miles is back in the news. And he made some unhinged comments earlier this week when he told the district advisory committee on a zoom meeting when they were talking about hisd's 2024-2025 school year calendar review that he shouldn't have closed schools during this week's winter weather and he said quote i think we missed an opportunity to develop a culture of essentialness we need that our profession has gotten away from that we close schools too often in this country and this profession and we don't emphasize essentialness He also added no fire departments closed, no police departments closed, no hospitals closed. And after those first responders, we're it. Except if we were in combat. Other than that, we're essential service. We're an essential public service. Okay, a lot to unpack here. I've been pretty vocal about some of the stuff that Mike Miles has implemented. I do like some of the changes. But this is, as I mentioned, I put my opinion in there. This is an unhinged comment. Like, I get it. You're trying to establish this culture of teachers are important. We're trying to establish that teachers are essentials. I get that. But there's more to it than that. Like, you're going to put other people in danger because you want to get this message across that teachers are essential. Who doesn't believe teachers aren't essential, by the way? I think everyone who has a student in school believes this. And now you just, because you want to make a point, you want to put kids at risk because those roads were slick. And buses, 
do not need to be out there. Parents don't need to be driving their kids to school in those kind of conditions. Teachers don't need to be going to school in those conditions. It's two days. Relax. And it's actually one day because Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So that one was already a day that was off. It's one day. Are we really doing this? Come on. Yeah, right. More more on this this new superintendent. As a HISD parent, you know, driving on, on slick ice or or I don't know if the alternative would have been like having teachers do like Zoom class or something from the school, but yeah, forcing people out. I heard him say a quote on the radio, something like, leave early and drive slowly. And I don't I don't know. I I feel like dealing with weather is, is kind of subjective depending on where you're from. So I don't know if that's how they do how they did in Dallas when he was out there, just you know, leave early and drive slowly. But like that's just a whole culture shift for Houstonians, I think, to just you know, jump out on this ice and, and uh, you know, what are you going to put chains on your tires? I don't know what the solution is, but, you know, uh, forcing people to go out to work or, or, or to engage with work on a day that's like dangerous. I mean, yeah, that, that that's pushing it. That's pushing it quite a bit, I think, giving out the wrong idea. Yeah. Like to get that message across that teachers are essential. I, I think everyone believes that teachers are essential. Do we close schools too often? Maybe. I don't know. Like, that's, that's again, that's a subjective thing, right? Like, I, to me, Tuesday was warranted. Close it. Because you know who's not going to be paying for my insurance premium when I crash into the side of the road? Mike Miles. He's not going to step up and give me more money because as right. a parent, I'm trying to get my kids to school. It's not a big deal. It's one day. That's why you have makeup days in your calendar, right? So you will make up that day. It's not that big of a deal. But to put other people at risk because you want to drive home this message, it was it just was not a good comment. And it's like, come on. By the way, we did interview Mike Miles on this podcast. I've linked that in our show notes. And Camille, one more thing on this story. You know, as students returned to school earlier this week on Wednesday, most schools were okay. But students at Love Elementary, Port Houston Elementary, and Patrick Henry Middle School in HISD, they left early because the heating and water had issues because of the winter weather that swept through the region. So imagine you were there on Tuesday and the roads got worse on Tuesday and you had to come home. How do you go back and pick up the kids? Like there's another element to this. It's a, it's okay, Mike. It is totally okay. got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to your most overlooked story of the week. What do you got, Camila? All right. So this uh, this is actually being followed in, on the tail end of, uh, of last week. But um, but yeah, so we have a, a multi-million dollar 
endowed startup, new startup here in Houston. This is a, a, a really well established, you know, a lot, lot of heavyweight heavy hitters are back in this project, Houston Landing. And uh, there's some kind of like turmoil going on inside, some type of like, uh, you know, looks like um, tyrannical leadership. I don't know. But they got rid of like their star reporter, Pulitzer Prize winning investigative reporter, Alex Stuckey. And also Ms. Honor uh, Rachman, who, uh, you know, is is uh, is OG in the game out here in Houston journalism world and, and investigations editor, a former investigations editor. So, like, I know they pretty much gutted the Chronicle when they were starting Houston Landing. And a lot of people jumped on board because of him. And he was he was fired. And I guess for, you know, for reasons that uh, he was he wasn't making the uh, Houston Landing fly enough for the Internet age. And by that, I mean the head of the paper, the CEO of the paper, who's, who's also like super highly decorated guy. A lot of this is inside baseball, which is why I think it is being o- overlooked because your average citizen isn't noticing, maybe isn't noticing the importance of having a free resource that's like digging into issues. This, you know, mayor uh, dealing with the police force story, you know, I, I really only saw that a good analysis of that, you know, most recently on Houston Landing. And uh, they're doing a lot of like civic reporting, a lot of news you can use. But I guess they're going about it in an old school way that's not working for their plan. So, yeah, so that's that's the most overlooked story is uh, turmoil at Houston Landing and the recent firing of their editor in chief mm. and uh, star reporter. Yeah, and before I comment on this, I do want to say that CityCast Houston and Hey Houston, our newsletter, we are content partners with Houston Landing. If you've listened to the show, we've had all of their reporters on. I love the Houston Landing. And you're talking about CEO Peter Bathia, who made those decisions. Here's the thing that got me more than anything. I know there was supposed to be an advisory board selected by members of the community. I, did that board ever get picked? I'm not sure. And did they have a say in this? From everything I read, it was purely Peter's pick and decision to fire those two really important pieces at Houston Landing. So, you know, like, I don't think they were, you know, consulted at all, this advisory board. And the work that they've done has been outstanding. Like, they're actually getting stuff done. They're making changes in our community. So, it was shocking. I think it was really important to talk about as well amongst their staff, like what is happening here? Because as you mentioned, a lot of people left not only their current jobs or moved to Houston to take this job to make an impact, and they have, and yet it wasn't enough, right? And in the report in the Washington Post story that you mentioned, the website numbers were pretty good. And here's where it gets kind of iffy if you're a media outlet, right? If you're a nonprofit, you can't run ads because, you know, you are advertising that you're a nonprofit. Now, can you? Yes, it kind of gets, again, it's kind of iffy, right? Can you put ads in there? Can you, you know, generate revenue to pay the staff, right? And then you don't want to become like a typical media outlet where you go to a website and you're just bombarded by pop-ups and this and that. So it's, you know, run by donations, it's run by readers, making sure that people are getting paid and also the endowments that they've gotten. So it's a weird thing, man, like a nonprofit media outlet is tough. It is really tough because you can do great work, you can get all the hits, but at some point money becomes an issue. Yeah, it's either it's either money or they're not hitting the right demographic or something or somebody's looking to push the envelope in a way that you know, a lot, a lot of us, uh, I'll call some of us old heads in the game. It's knowing like what's going to be the future when people don't really want to consume news in the way that they used to, which is is scary on one level uh, because they're not going to be informed of so much important, important information 
um, and also, you know, who, who's funding this. Um, it's got to be people underwriting it um, in, in a way that's not uh, below the standards or, you know, below kind of what, you know, ethics people have. So, um, so yeah, it's complicated, but it's also what's going on in journalism right now and it's happening in Houston. So it's really interesting for, I think, people to be looking at on a national level as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, my most overlooked story, and I think we all know this, but it's official. We're literally wasting our life in Houston traffic, Camilo. A new report by TomTom, which shout out to TomTom. I didn't know they were in business. That's like the OG GPS system. You remember TomTom, right? Yeah, that's one of the first. Yeah, that's the first one. Well, our traffic ranks in the top 10 worst traffic during rush hour. So here's how they calculated this, okay? Using a standard six-mile commute, TomTom said it takes 32 minutes and 50 seconds to drive that route at peak morning and evening trips in Houston. But if you were to erase all that traffic somehow, drivers would remove 14 minutes and 44 seconds from their commute add up all those extra minutes spent driving because of traffic and they total 56 hours and 28 minutes a year a that's almost four hour increase from 2022 by the way and this comes from cron.com so we're wasting 56 hours a year in traffic camilo i think we already knew that i feel like it's 56 hours a week sometimes it's scary it's scary you know sitting is sitting is a new smoking but imagine you're just sitting that whole time it's terrible. Um, what are we going to do about it? I don't know, man. You, you find a buddy, jump on the HOV lane and try to make things work with schedule wise because you do save time on that. Shout out to the HOV lanes for helping out. That does make a difference. But man, yeah, when you get stuck in traffic, it is just draining. It just takes all the energy out of your day. You get frustrated and now we're wasting hours of our life sitting in it. So the one benefit, I guess, could be that, you know, fire up CityCast Houston and listen to our podcast archive. You know what? I'm just promoting. I'm all about the brand here. <laughs> hey, people need stuff to listen to. You know, this is good. This is good local information. Thank you. All right. Let's get to our moment of joy. What made you happy this week, Camila? Oh, you know what? So I, I guess I was thinking about this. I guess initially it, it wasn't a happy thing, right? This had to do with the freeze. This had to do with uh, some of our, our our neighbors here in Houston, very popular neighbors, the Bat Colony um, over there under the bridge. So, yeah, so like I guess now that we've had like a, a couple years in a row where it's been these uh, epic freezes, they, they get freeze shock. And so they fall, I guess they fall to the ground or they basically, you know, they pass out from, from it being too cold. And so um, there was a bat rescue that the city uh, did again this year. 17 rescuers went out. They rescued uh, around 1,100 bats. And so the image I get in my head is like a little bat with like a, a, a blanket over their shoulders and they're drinking soup and they have like their feet. And like, you know, so I know it's not that cute like in the cartoons, but uh, yeah, they saved these bats from from just laying on the ground, knocked out from the cold. And that 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 gave me the warm fuzzies. Man, that is awesome. That is good to hear that somebody's looking out for such an important part of our ecosystem, right? Because without bats, a lot of things do fall apart. And I know they, they're scary and they're bats and they're nasty and all that stuff, but they're creatures that need help. And I'm glad that somebody's doing it. And you know, one of the cool things about the freeze, no pun intended, is that in, on South Padre Island off the coast, they always rescue the sea turtles because the water gets so cold. So there's this big movement, and every time there's a, a little winter weather that comes in, they go out there and 
rescue the sea turtles as well and i love seeing stories like this i'm with you this makes me happy yes rescue animal stories like those don't get old we need more of those save the animals absolutely and by the way the the group that rescues the sea turtles uh they're called sea turtle inc in south padre so just want to give them love as well yeah, shout out those guys Okay, it's time for my moment of joy. I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. I think people know where I'm going to go with this because I'm going to bring up Whataburger. And this is my bit now where I get to knock on Whataburger a little bit. The company is opening its 1,000th location. And just to let you know how Texas they are, Camilo, they're opening them in Atlanta, Georgia and Yukon, Oklahoma. Now, why is this my moment of joy? Because... It is now my mission to correct people when they try to put Whataburger in the top tier of Texas franchises like H-E-B and Bucky's. This is still a huge accomplishment, so props to them because they create a lot of local jobs. They create a lot of jobs for the cities that they're in. But just like McDonald's, somebody from Chicago is taking away this great franchise and turning it into a national brand. And I know we all are so passionate about Whataburger, but it's not the same. Why would you open your thousandth location not in Texas? Oh wow, yeah, I'm I'm down I'm down with Whataburger expanding. You know, it, it'll 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 make for better um, better competition in, in the the local burger wars of the country. Um, and basically, I'm really just talking about Texas versus California with In-N-Out and Whataburger. But uh, but as someone who used to live in California, I uh, I like to see uh, Texas be on top in that category. So I'm all for expanding. But it is it is definitely a very joyful thing to be able to get uh, some Whataburger outside the uh, Texas boundaries. See, isn't that crazy? You used to live in California and your team Whataburger. I live in Texas. I was I moved here when I was five. I consider myself a Houstonian. Okay. And I prefer In-N-Out over Whataburger. If you gave me a choice between those those two, like give me a double-double animal style with no lettuce, no tomatoes, and I'm good. Like I would prefer that over my order at Whataburger. I mean, it, you know, the whole slogan, it's what a hamburger is all about. It, it's hard to get that out of your head for sure. Uh, I just <laughs> I just like the Whataburger design. I like the fact that it's really what a burger and we're up here calling it Whataburger. I mean, yeah. it's it's got its own place in, in local local hip hop lore for sure. That's one thing. In California, I think the hip hop crowds go more for fat burger, although maybe they go for in and out, yeah. but I'm not sure if it's easier to rhyme one one than the other. But uh anyway, Whataburger for me as a new Stonian about a decade in, um, I'll go I'll go with Whataburger. I love that. Camilo, thank you so much for joining us. Don't be a stranger. Want to get you back on. That was a lot of fun and continued success to you. Likewise, likewise, and continued success to the show. Uh, Glad to hear you on here. Keep doing your thing. That was Camilo Hannibal-Smith. I've linked his social accounts in our show notes along with all of the stories we discussed. That will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our executive producer is Dina Kespa. Our producers are Carleon Jones and Elizabeth Kama. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis, and the host is me, Rahil Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at how the city is responding to the cancer cluster in Fifth Ward. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Paul Giamatti supposedly was having a hamburger at an In-N-Out burger. 
And so a buddy of mine posted that on Instagram and I jumped in and I was like, hey, he should have been a Whataburger. And of course I got piled on. 